Hello and welcome to The Money Movement. We're filming here at Converge, Circle's first annual crypto ecosystem conference. And I'm really excited to be joined by Ryan Birkin, founder of Teller, a company that's innovating in uh, DeFi, real world assets, USDC, lending and credit, a lot of really cool stuff. There's a lot of themes I want to unpack there. Welcome to The Money Movement. Thank you so much for having me, Jeremy. And yeah. congrats on putting Converge together. Thank you. Yeah, it's a very, very exciting milestone for our industry. And I'm excited to have so many founders, so many startups, so many people working in the space here. And uh, it's a great opportunity to have these conversations as well. Yeah, I think it's a testament to the success of stable coins and specifically USDC. Every founder that's building in the ecosystem utilizes USDC in one way or another. Yeah, but it's come a long way for sure. Uh, we, were, we were obviously catching up on some of that a few minutes ago, which is actually a, a good way to maybe kind of segue into your own kind of founder story, talk about how you arrived at Teller and kind of the mission that you have with Teller. We'll dive more into that, but that'd be a great place yeah, to start. I, yeah. The early days for me was the 2016 ICO bull run. And I just got enamored with the use cases of blockchain as yeah. a, just a technology set. The price movements weren't speculation, wasn't as interesting to me, but I thought you could develop such wild and empowering applications with a blockchain. And in those days we were just speaking of, there were so many ideas. Yeah. Uh, finance was one pillar of many verticals that we thought blockchain would have right. immediate application. Right. It was the blockchain for this, blockchain for that. For yeah, every, yeah, we were in yeah. the Uber of blockchain right, phase. Right, right. <laughs> but as 2018 showed us, the one vertical that panned out was finance yeah. of all others. And I started developing in the space. I started as a developer. I was programming different applications on Ethereum. And the days of Aave, of Compound, started to get me really excited mm -hmm. about what you could do with assets. Mm -hmm. The idea that you have a global system of assets that can be leveraged for different use cases mm -hmm. really piqued my interest. Mm -hmm. And before kind of diving into the world of credit, I, I thought there needed to be some way that a user could get access to capital without having these assets. When I think about the traditional world, that is how lending and borrowing works today. Yeah. I have some identity and credit worthiness and I can get access to capital. Right. So that started- Or property or whatever. Property or assets. Yeah. And that's one of the most common forms of debt is to acquire an asset. Yeah. And that asset is then backed, backing yeah. the loan. Yep. And that started getting me excited. The idea that the end user could come into the crypto space without needing the capital mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. This seemed like the narrative that could bring new users into crypto yeah. without Bitcoin. Yeah. And that's where I actually started working on a concept for under collateralized lending. Right. And it was a pretty simple idea that if you're a good actor in the crypto ecosystem, mm -hmm. you can get lower collateral ratios on something like an Aave or right. a Maker. Right. And it kind of went viral. I built an app as a solo developer uh, and crypto Twitter just got really excited. And I started meeting different investors in the space. And there was a lot of interest in this concept that credit could be possible yeah. on chain. Yeah. And that was the origin of what is Teller today? And our whole mission is to bring no collateral lending on chain and accessible to everyone. I think it's a, obviously a huge opportunity space. And the example I like to use is, you know, people think about the total addressable market for things like stablecoins like USDC. 
And a lot of times people think about it as, oh, this is going to disrupt the payments industry and the payments industry is this big and there's this much revenue from payments. And I actually think that's kind of the sideshow because I, I think if we're successful with dollar digital currency models like this, the cost of payments will just go to zero. I mean, effectively, you'll just kind of yes. drive that down. And the real value and the real utility is you know, going to come from the programmability of that money. But very specifically, it's going to come from the ability to you know, take advantage of the time value of money, which is what you know, credit intermediation really is. And there's these different monetary uh, measures, like M2 is a big monetary measure, and M2 money is commercial bank money. And most of that, I don't know the exact percentage, let's call it 90% of that, is actually unsecured credit or, or various forms of credit. And that plays a really big role in the economy. And so I'm always just really interested in this idea of how do we start bringing credit primitives on chain? And in theory, just as, as you were talking about, it's like, if you have transactions and transaction histories and various forms of identity and reputation and other things, and you're able to use on-chain technology for that, you actually could deliver credit intermediation far more efficiently, far more inclusively, far more globally. And actually, that's the big opportunity space. I think you just, you just hit it. Everything in crypto that has shown success has been global by default and permissionless by default. Yeah. Think of OpenSea, Uniswap, Aave, MakerDAO. Anyone around the world now has access to these services. And that's what will happen with credit, where efficiency is not only the capital efficiency, moving money around instantly, right. which, as you mentioned with payments, the cost should go to zero. It yeah. should be the, the spend right. to write it on chain. Right. For credit, that time should go to zero. Right. Where I have some type of identity that's yeah. globally recognized, right. which we've never had. Right. Because credit is not transferable today yeah. between borders. If you are coming as an immigrant into a new country, that credit doesn't yeah. count today. Yeah. And if you are trying to send or access services in a new world, it doesn't translate today. Yeah. I think there's this concept of, you know, kind of money velocity and money multiplication and, and like, those, I like to think about what I call the physics of money. There's like a physics to money and there's like a physics of money in, in the existing financial system. And it has all these like time and movement and other constraints. And like when you get to a raw to the metal kind of world of like identity, reputation and kind of stable value, you know, tokens, then you could have extraordinary money velocity and people can, you know, who need capital at a moment can get capital at it's a moment. That should be what we strike to. So let's talk about Teller's products today. You've announced some really cool things. And I think USDC.homes was, I think, one of the, the, one of, first, one of the, one of the first products that you guys made available, which really caught my attention for obvious reasons. Maybe talk about the products today. Where are you guys in, in your kind of product journey? I'll actually rewind to Teller's first product, which was a bank account associated on-chain loan where a user could connect a, their bank account today, that bank account like would be- Like you use Plaid under, and it tells exactly. you what you have. Yeah. It's through Plaid. Yeah. And the money could be used in a vault. That vault had very specific use cases. You could swap for different tokens or you could yield farm. Mm -hmm. And that showed us that there was extreme demand, really high interest to borrow capital mm -hmm. to do something. But to offer the myriad of services or use cases that people wanted, there wouldn't be a world for us to scale a product that was a vault, within a vault. So that's where we started thinking about the latest version of Teller. And mm -hmm. our protocol today is generalized, 
for any underwriter to offer a no collateral lending market to consumers. So one of those first markets that launched on us was USDC.homes. Obviously, amazing that the domain is USDC.homes. <laughs> you can have a mortgage in USDC. Yeah. What really excited us was how not only how large of a market an on-chain service could tap into, but also the demand. Mm-hmm. Today, as a crypto user, your crypto native credit is excluded completely from, from the Fannie and Freddie Mae guidelines. Right. Um, they explicitly state that Ethereum, Bitcoin, and other assets right. are they not included. Yeah. Which is wild when some of these There's a trillion dollars of value floating around in that. So it's kind of not not something that you can borrow. And it could I be mean, obviously in lots of, of lending markets in crypto itself. So there are certainly options there. Yeah. If you borrow against your collateral, yeah, yeah. but not even Bar- USDC yeah. o- over collateral. Yeah. So what got us excited was the demand that crypto people wanted in that type of product. Mm-hmm. And I think it is a really good narrative to show the rest of the world what's possible here. Mm-hmm. That your on-chain capital and credit developed in crypto is globally recognized to be applied to a mortgage, which is something that many around the world dream of, getting mm-hmm. access to, to a home. That market, so that pool itself is actually run by an underwriter in Austin, Texas. They're processing right now, I believe around 300 mortgage Amazing. applications have come Amazing. through. Amazing. The total value of those would be, I think, around 100 million. And you just think about that movement of capital mm-hmm. on chain. And you're speaking of the time value of yeah. money and the accessibility. Yeah. Now we're starting to see a very, very, very small chunk of yeah. an enormous market yeah. Yeah. moving. So there's still, there's still, um, there's still like real world property in that in that Correct. arena, but they're taking advantage of not knowledge about the person who's contracting that, their kind of crypto credit worthiness. And, and so they're kind of extending. Well, and you think about collateral, what is a good type of collateral? Yeah. Real estate is one of the best forms of yeah. collateral. Yeah. So that's one of the first. So what else are you seeing develop on Teller? So what I get most excited about is how we can use our native crypto credit to offer consumers access to capital. I think something that's interesting we're starting to see developed are these validator networks or minor networks being able to offer capital mm-hmm. to end users who have a small business, mm-hmm. their individual proprietorship, and those users want to spin up a node or a validator. Yeah. Because that's a very right. clear crypto right. native use it's case. It's like working capital financing. Working capital financing. Yeah. You yeah. know where the, the revenue will come from, right. and you know where the investment of money right. will go to. Right. And, and it's CapEx financing in a sense, too. Exactly. Right? It's like all this kind of these hybrids, you know. I you know, have started a number of companies over the years and just have, you know, the GE capitals of the world or all these types of, of capital pools that would sort of say, hey, you know, you need capital to buy equipment. You need capital to cover, like hiring a few people, this, that, and the, but they're able to assess that. But so those, that's real world utility. Real right? world utility because yeah. the money is being applied yes, to right. an end use case and you right. know where the- Productive the economic life. activity. Absolutely. Not just uh, like- Yield farming, uh, food tokens. So or, that yeah. I, it's an interesting <laughs> conversation because that actual demand still does matter. Yeah, um, yeah. Something we talked about. You guys, you mentioned you enabled the first Bitcoin purchases with a credit card. Yes. And that's credit. Users are yeah, yeah. applying capital they may not have today to acquire assets. Yeah. Yeah. We, we found a lot of people who couldn't actually pay back their credit. <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> Uh, it's a challenging business, but credit underwriting matters. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, risk management, all these things. So how do you guys deal with risk? What are the permutations of risk that you're trying to deal with? 
And then sort of how does that show up in the protocol and or how people apply the protocol? Great question. So our core differentiator from others in the market is that we are truly permissionless. And we ourselves do not do underwriting. We are not risk assessors and we do not promote that. Mm-hmm. We are infrastructure similar to an Aave or Uniswap that enables anyone to create their own pool. And that pool has all the tools that are necessary to create a new no collateral lending market. Mm-hmm. Lend- no collateral lending markets are applicable across a multitude of industries yep. outside of crypto. Yep. And they are applicable to end users in crypto as well. So someone who wants to use this can come in and say, I'm going to use this. I'm going to create a pool. And they need to be able to do that, meaning they, they need to, to either underwrite. have the have the underwriting capabilities or the, the legal capacity or whatever the kind of things that you need to wrap around that to do that. But they're operationalizing it with Teller. Correct. Exactly. Teller is the infrastructure for that. Yeah. And what's interesting about this new market is it's a little bit more complex than the over collateralized DeFi. Mm-hmm. In, with Aave or Compound, it's pretty tr- clear that the algorithm or the protocol mm-hmm. is the underwriter mm-hmm. that the user is depositing capital and borrowing against. Right. Here you have three actors. You have that central underwriter that goes after a specific vertical in yep. this case. You have the end borrowers, but you also have liquidity providers on the other end. Mm. So similar to how Maple operates with institutional capital, mm-hmm. Teller is operating for these underwriters to service the end consumer. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting chicken and egg problem to solve. I think there is a lot of demand on chain from crypto consumers to access capital for use cases they couldn't get capital for before. Mm -hmm. I think a a validator network or node network is one of those. Mm -hmm. Other use cases of capital is just that purchase Bitcoin with credit. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we saw everything in crypto moves on chain Mm -hmm. every time there's demand. And some of the most sought after or used products in the crypto centralized world that hasn't moved on chain yet is a credit card either being issued by an exchange, a right. Gemini card, BlockFi card, yeah. or using a credit card to purchase crypto assets. Right. right. Yeah, that a big piece. So talk about what verticals you're most excited about being applied here, or if you're if and you know, you don't need to disclose anything confidential, obviously, but like what are verticals that you're most excited about that like you talked about the kind of essentially like that kind of CapEx working capital financing for you know, operators in a sense in the proof of stake infrastructure world, right? So that's, that's clearly one. But sort of, and obviously USDC Homes is a fascinating one. So that's more real world asset tied into something very relatable for people, but like are like auto loans like or, or timeshare properties or like what what's next? So I think... I'm personally excited about all of the above yeah, because yeah. credit markets are, are huge. The, the TAM, as you mentioned with, with stable coins, the TAM is not, it's not payments. It's what you can do yeah. with that. And for us, that's our excitement with our infrastructure, yeah. what you can do with a credit market. Yeah. So there have been several fintechs that have actually approached us speaking about an auto-related market. There's also other fintechs that have come to us talking about student loans and yeah. different types of personal debt. Yeah. Here's what's interesting when you're building a crypto native product or solution. Those that will stay and actively use the product are those that are already in crypto. Mm -hmm. So while it is really exciting to power these off-chain and real-world use cases, which will continue to move on-chain, transparency is huge. And I think the innovation and the excitement of on-chain products is that transparency. Mm -hmm. So when we think about the use of capital and the use of credit, 
I think we saw that used in a non-transparent matter with Celsius yeah, three arrows totally. capital. Right. There's like the fundamental flaw was like these are these opaque Never knew debt books. Yes. You don't know what the hell is going on. So right. how can we leverage this paradigm shift yeah. where your financial activity from one wallet is public? Yeah. It's truly so let's, public. Let's talk about identity. Yep. And so, you know, this is an area that we're very focused on, which is like, you know, cryptographic proof of you're a real person and someone whose job it is to validate you has validated you, right? But then sort of kind of verifiable claims about that person that, that are relevant that could have to do with some offline activity or asset or, or other. But like we have a protocol, the Verite protocol, which is open source, open standard. We'll be talking about more of that here in the coming days. But like there's sort of like this world of what people talk about as sort of on-chain reputation, which is sort of you're wiring up wallets and then that's the, it's totally decentralized, right? It sort of identifies that. What about hybrid where you've got kind of provable identity combined with on-chain data? And where do you see that kind of coming That, that will be what works or yeah. at least what seems like will work because identity is a gray area. Yeah. Uh, identity is, goes from a fully identified, publicly addressable individual yeah. that yeah. is associated with a wallet to a completely unknown wallet with no transaction history. Right. And it will be something in between. Yeah. If we think of... And we need privacy, obviously, as well, right? So it's a huge know, no, no one wants to be like, you know, this, this like doxed wallets, right? It's Absolutely. just like a real problem. But what, what I think was interesting from the 2021 year was that users were willing to showcase their wallet if it had an NFT in it. That was interesting. Yeah. yeah. Link it to yeah. Twitter and yeah. now yeah. Right. you have a social profile linked yeah. with an on-chain activity. Right. That, I think, is the start to this pseudo-anonymous identity. Yeah, and we're seeing people bootstrapping ideas with that and, and so on. But like, when it comes to like the pool underwriter that is like trying to figure out whether to give you money for buying a house, yep. like, maybe that's not enough. I, identity matters for yeah. that situation. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. it's, it's the use case yeah. and how much identity needs to be revealed based on the use case. Right. For, for a mortgage, right. you are revealing a significant amount, but that's yeah. to the underwriter. Yeah. And underwriters can maintain privacy around that data yeah. while they outsource the capital provisioning to liquidity providers. Right. Liquidity providers may not know, but you are trusting some entity to have some amount of data. Right. That privacy component is massive. There's examples from proving your credit scores above something to proving your age. For sure. And there will be a blend, I think, where it ties together is where credit can be dinged, where it can be mm-hmm. hit if there's a case of a default. Right. So that's both your on-chain credit from different providers like Spectral or Cred. Yeah. And it's also your off-chain credit. Right. If it's being applied for a loan. Right. Right. Pull pull those uh, those two worlds kind of coming together. It's the we talk a lot about kind of bridges, not just like bridges of chains, but like bridging. You know, these different kind of the the on-chain world. USDC is the world. USDC is a bridge. It It is is, a bridge. Yeah. It's it's arguably the bridge of our ecosystem. Yeah. So. And like, this is a theme that you'll see more from us. They sort of, you know, you know, how do you have one kind of sector kind of meet the other and through a bridge and, and make that happen? Yeah, but, you asked what I'm most excited about. This is really what I think is yeah. the next unlock where yeah. you're able to build up credit on chain yeah. while using a paired off-chain identity yeah. because there, there's trust from the underwriter that you will care if you default because mm-hmm. an identity is tagged to it. Yeah. But just like the concept of the American dream where an immigrant can yeah. enter America and become successful, it's the same with credit. And I right. think you're going to see that on chain. Right. It's a, it, I think that's right. I think that's right. And there's obviously a lot of experimentation there. Talk just for the few more minutes we have 
we're very much in the thick of it with regulatory stuff and, and this whole industry is, right? And, you know, there's all this innovation happening and people are trying to figure out like, what's what? Where do things fit? And are you guys seeing, you know, kind of the structures and things that you have kind of cleanly fitting with whatever broker dealer securities law or other kind of lending law? Like where, where do you see that kind of happening and, and where do you feel like the most clarity is needed? It, it, so our entire approach has been focused on infrastructure. Yeah. Regulations there so consumers don't get burned. Yeah. And we've also always felt that to empower the many use cases of underwriting, there will be risk taken. And that should be put onto those that are managing these pools. Mm-hmm. The trust is put onto those who are operating a business that is leveraging the tools of the industry. Just because I'm using Ethereum doesn't mean that I'm doing something neither good nor bad yeah. and fits or doesn't fit into a regulatory framework today. We view it the same in the lending world that there are opportunities across the globe for lending markets. And if we believe that capital efficiency will come into play, you need the most competitive market for every vertical. If we were to tie the infrastructure itself to one framework, that would limit its success, its growth. However, it is important for every single underwriter and pool manager and owner on teller to comply with the laws that are associated with their jurisdiction and with their specific lending market, which is different in the U.S. than Latin America. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, the internet challenged a lot of existing frameworks for regulating communications and media and other things and became more open and more global. And we're certainly hoping for that kind of normalization and openness uh, in the financial I think that's the goal of money. The goal of money, the goal of lending, credit. Well, that's why we're all here. Awesome, Ryan. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. 